Today's episode features my friend Jenny Friedman, who is a registered dietitian specializing in extreme picky eating. Jenny is known for her playful and approachable style and has become a leading resource for parents and professionals working with children who struggle at mealtimes. You're going to find a treasure trove of information on Jenny's website, JennyFriedmanNutrition.com. Jenny has a freebie that you can pick up, five ways to help your picky eater try new foods, which is on her website. And she also has an ebook called Conquering Picky Eating. And she also will have a new book coming out that you can pre-order. It's coming out in September. You can find Jenny also on Instagram at Autism Nutritionist. So today on the show, we're going to have Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Welcome. Jenny specializes in extreme picky eating. So I thought it would be fun for her to come on the show and, and talk more about that. Since I know probably a lot, a lot of people have questions, especially a lot of moms might have questions about their own kids and their own eating and how to improve that for their own sanity. So welcome, Jenny. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) So Jenny, is it, so is this something, if we have children at home that are picky eaters, is this something that should be concerning to us? So I would say regardless of whether it should be concerning to you, it probably is. At the very least, it is probably frustrating. You know, there's so many, I talk to so many parents and so many moms who tell me that their child was a delight when they were an infant, you know, they moved on to solids and they ate everything. They loved vegetables. And then all of a sudden it's like a light when, you know, a light went off and everything changed and they become very selective and they limit their diet. And this isn't necessarily a cause for concern, even though it is certainly frustrating and stressful. It's a a natural phase for kids around 18 months to kind of about that three-year mark to go through a picky phase where they just start to become a lot more discerning and they're asserting their independence. And so around that time, it's natural to see the diet fall. But I would say, you know, there are certainly some red flags to look at or to be aware of that can kind of serve as triggers for you that maybe this is something that's a little bit more severe than like the traditional picky eating that we see around this time. So what are those red flags? Like what are the things that we should be, what are are the things that we should be concerned about? Yeah. So if your child just was kind of like fickle and maybe they're refusing formerly preferred foods, or if they're getting particularly, you know, fussy about maybe vegetables, that is typically what we see as, you know, more on the normal side of the spectrum. But if a child is constantly dropping foods, so their diet limits to maybe under 20 foods or so, that is not great. And that's a potential trigger because with such a limited diet, it can be hard to meet all of our nutritional needs. If a child is refusing entire food groups, so let's say they're not really eating any protein, they're not eating any fruits or any vegetables, that's also something that you know can be you know, potentially like a signal going off for you to look into it. If they are maybe eating foods of all the same color or all the same texture, that could be cute that something else is going on as well. And yeah, if they, if they also have trouble eating with you as a family member or eating outside of the home or with friends, that can be a sign too that, you know, it's a little bit more severe than kind of that typical phase. So those would be traditionally 
some of the things that we would look for. There can definitely be more, but certainly if you see things getting worse instead of getting better, and really if your child is eating kind of the same handful of foods over and over and over again, and is very not receptive to trying new foods, then you might want to, you know, reach out to your pediatrician or to a feeding therapist, a dietitian, just to see what's going on. So would this be something that like, would the child have had like been eating a repertoire of foods and then stopped or really never progressed to having like a nice variety of food? Either. So yeah, that's a great question. You know, I typically see more that children transition, that they go from eating a wide variety to a very limited variety. There are definitely kids though who have always struggled to eat from the beginning. And that I wouldn't even, you know, maybe that can be something that people would classify as, you know, oh, he's always been picky or she's just never been a great eater. But to me, that's not natural. Kids should be kind of born not knowing how to eat, but wanting to eat. And if something is wrong, you know, kind of from the beginning, then that could be a sign of that there's like an underlying medical condition, possibly, or, you know, something like a tongue tie, or maybe some allergies, GI, something going on. So I almost see a distinction between kind of pickiness that develops and like a chronic problem that's been around since maybe day one. So what do you do about that? How do you get your child to expand their food choices and to get them to eat more food? Yeah. So that's the fun part of it, right? That is the fun part. <laughs> that's yeah. the I know. I know. And that's the thing that like you're sitting home asking yourself yeah. all the time. So, I mean, the first thing that I would do is just, you know, when you notice this happening, regardless of whether you're concerned yet, or you've like identified it as maybe more extreme, I would continue to serve a variety of foods, you know, and even if your child isn't eating them, even if it seems to make them a little upset, I would avoid restricting their diet to only the foods that they like, because then you are, you know, it's not your fault that they are behaving this way or having these reactions to food. But then I feel that we are inviting them to continue these behaviors and we are preventing them from kind of stepping outside of their comfort zone. So I would continue to offer a variety of foods as the number one. Um, and I think the kind of easiest thing that we can do is to role model, you know, and, and to continue to eat good foods, or, you know, not good, but a variety of foods ourselves and in front of them and just set the example because they do learn from example. So those are, I think, two easy starting off points. I'm glad that you brought up the whole, it's not like about whose fault it is or how this happens, because I feel like with my son, he has food allergies and they were really early on. And so what I found that what I would do is I was scared to death to start implementing new food. And I feel like now he's three and it's still like one of those things where I'm exposing him to new food all the time, because I feel like I'm kind of slower in doing that because I was scared that he was going to have a reaction. So what do you say to people or women or just parents in general that feel like it's their fault that somehow they've made it worse or kept the picky eating going because of not offering them more variety or introducing food slow? Like, how do I get rid of that feeling that I I feel so bad that it took me so long to do it? Yeah, I think that's hard. And I think that's probably part of being a parent and being a mom. But I mean, it's not, you know, so there's research that supports this. And that this is what I always go to that even if you are picky yourself, it doesn't mean that you that your child will be picky. 
And it's not likely it is, or not likely, and I've never seen a situation where a child develops, we'll say, picky eating because of anything that the parent has done. Usually there's some sort of underlying kind of a change in their taste buds, a change in their growth, like a medical, a new like GI, they're constipated and they don't want to eat. So they're limiting their intake or, you know, sensory issues. Often it has nothing to do with the parents, even though it still feels like, oh, you know, they have allergies or sensory issues. It's my fault. It's really not. That's not something that we can control, you know, so it's not. And I, I just try to encourage, you know, even though, you know, it's not our fault, but it is our, we are in the position to help improve it, you know, and they're, it's not something that most kids will inherently do on their own. So kind of when they're in that, like more of like traditional developmental phase, most kids will kind of grow out of it, but we, they still need us to expose them to new foods to offer the variety or else, you know, they'll be eating their same couple all the time, you know, it's with everything. It's our job to, to guide them along. So it's not our fault, but we have, I think the role in the room to help improve. So when you talk about introducing foods, I had always heard like this whole, like you have to introduce a food 10 times before a child eats it. I don't know how, I don't know how, how true that is. That's more your, like, that's more your extreme, but like, or your, your category. Yeah. That's more your specialty. So when you talk about introducing foods, what does that mean? Does that mean like you introduce a little bit, like a little bit at a time? Do you introduce it multiple times? Like how does it work in terms of the introduction? Do you have to increase the frequency of the introducing the foods? That is a great question. So I kind of think about maybe the distinction between like an introduction, which might be just an exposure to a new food versus actually tasting and eating the new food. So it is really, that exposure is so important just because it gets a child used to it. You know, so kind of the first thing that they need to be, that they need to do is be comfortable looking at a new food. If something about the way the food looks is really turning them off, there's like no chance that they'll ever put it in their mouth. So that exposure and introduction is kind of one part of it. The other really important part is having the food on your plate and actually putting it in your mouth, or maybe it doesn't go on the plate, but it needs to end up in the mouth. And that's where you're kind of talking about those 10 tastes really. And so that's a real thing that research says, you know, that there's kind of like, we need to taste things a minimum of eight times before we can kind of develop a like a comfort and, you know, maybe a like for it. So that's typically what I tell kids, you know, the first time you try it, like probably won't like it yet. You know, it does take us time to learn. Our bodies need to adapt. And the older we get, and, you know, potentially if there are any underlying barriers, like, you know, the sensory issues or some kind of medical issue, that can actually kind of, that number can double or triple. So, you know, a lot of the kids who I work with on the more extreme end of the spectrum do need to taste a new food a number of times before they really feel comfortable with it. And before that, maybe they need to kind of just meet the food and get to know the food a number of times before they're ready to even taste it. So what does that look like? So say we have like blueberries, because I'm looking at blueberries on my counter. Mm -hmm. So say we have blueberries, we put the blueberries on the kid's plate, and then we just kind of leave it there. And then if the child doesn't eat it, we just keep doing it each day over and over again. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So that's definitely one strategy. Just keep offering, you know, they don't eat it the first time. Okay. That's fine. You know, we all have those days. It's new. It's weird. It's blue. That's okay. 
hopefully after a number of times, the child will initiate eating it on their own, especially if they see you eating it, maybe especially if they started to like touch it and explore it. The goal, you know, and anything, most kids will initiate that eating process. Many kids won't. And that's where maybe some guidance can come in on how can we encourage the child and help them feel comfortable to make that next step. So Jenny, any tips to lessen the power struggle that is often seen with trying new foods? Do you have any suggestions to kind of help minimize that? Yes, definitely. So that is one of the major sources of stress for parents. So often I find that the kids who I work with, their parents do tend to describe them as maybe being controlling or being stubborn. So that seems to be maybe some, play some sort of role in this. But I also think that a lot of times Kids are anxious about trying new foods and that can manifest as them wanting to be in control. And that's, I think, where really the power struggle comes in because we as parents feel like maybe it's something we should control or we're trying to control. Everybody just wants to control it so they feel better, kind of like the end of the day. But that doesn't help anything. You know, it just, it makes us feel worse. It makes the kid feel worse and it doesn't get us anywhere. You know, so really what I would say as a parent is try to let go and know that it is, you know, up to your child to eat. I recommend always serving at least one preferred food and a meal. You know, if they're truly hungry, they always have something to eat. So hopefully that can minimize some of the anxiety about them leaving the table starving, you know, which they're not going to starve yet. They might be a little (laughs) hungry and then they might be a little cranky, but they're probably not starving. So it's not easy, but hopefully you are, you know, providing a food that they'll definitely eat. And then just kind of let it be. If you're offering new foods, that's great. Let them figure out what they want to do with it. If you're feeling like this is not, you know, you're not getting anywhere with this, you can certainly then, that's when you might want to be reaching out for some coaching. But just do your best as the parent to really let it go. And I recommend just trying to remain calm, trying to ignore any negative behavior, any behavior that you don't want to see repeated. And just, it's a lot easier said than done, but know that you're doing your job. And if you, you know, are really feeling like you are grasping at straws, you're not sure where to do, don't sit there and let that get to you and don't take it out on your kid. Just reach out to me, someone else, and we'll, we'll help you through that. That's what I was going to ask. So what if, if I want help or if any of the listeners need help, what sort of help is out there besides you, of course? Yeah. Well, right. Of course. course. (laughs) I do offer coaching and I work with families and their children to help. You know, you don't have to go to me and I may not be the, the right first steps. You can always bring it up with your pediatrician. And I would just be really clear about what your child, you know, has been eating. It can be helpful to bring kind of a food diary, like a log of what they've been eating for three days. Because a lot of times, like a pediatrician is quick to kind of push this off as, or not, I don't want to pinpoint pediatricians in particular, but it's very often that parents get the feedback like, oh, he's fine. You know, she's okay. This is, it's normal, but they're fine. They're growing okay. And you know, as a parent that it's not okay. So that's when you can certainly reach out to me. You can certainly look for a food or feeding therapist in your area. Oftentimes an occupational or speech and language pathologist will be helpful as well. And yeah, I mean, there's, you know, a lot of great resources on the internet. It's just also a place where you have to be careful sometimes. Jenny, thank you so much for coming today and sharing your message and your philosophy with our community. It's just been really helpful to have your feedback and your knowledge. 
you. It's my pleasure. Wow, guys. Wasn't Jenny so helpful? Gosh, she just provided so much value in the topic of extreme picky eating in children. You can find more information on Jenny at JennyFriedmanNutrition.com or on social media at Autism Nutritionist. If you found value in this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Being a busy woman or mom doesn't mean that we have to give up on our health, wellness, or self-care. Together, we can take tiny, imperfect steps towards creating the whole health we desire and deserve. You can find us at wholehealthempower.com or on Instagram at wholehealthempower. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.